0: If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Galatians chapter five. We will be there shortly. And that's kind of wobbly there. And if I've not had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is David Segrist. I'm the pastor of student ministry here at the Chesterton campus. I'd love to be able to meet you after service and uh, be able to, to introduce ourselves to one another. We've been going through the book of Galatians since the end of April. Next week, Pastor Tim is going to be wrapping up the series here, and this week, you get me. (laughs) This morning, we're going to look how we are able to live free, specifically free to walk in the spirit. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. As stated in Galatians five verse one, we were asked the question last week, what would you do if you were free to do anything you wanted? Tim shared that he would go to Wrigley Field, spend a lot of time there, and uh, have a quiet meal at home with no arguing or complaining, and everybody would eat the meal that's in front of them, which all parents say, impossible. Right. But seriously, we, we have been able to look out how freedom is not to be used for ourselves, but to serve others. And as we follow in the dusty footsteps of Jesus, we are called to follow Jesus through all of the circumstances of our lives. And this, is, this is not always easy. And we need to be rooted in Christ. So we're in the fifth chapter of Galatians. We're going to start in verse 16 and read through verse 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. No law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Would you join me in prayer before we jump into the text? God, may the word that you have given to us be be able to speak to our hearts. May the faithful words that are ever true, that are changing us, may we hear your word. May it go into our minds and come out in our lives. May your spirit be at work in us and produce the fruit that only the spirit can produce. We pray these things in your son's name, amen. The outline for this morning, we are at war with our desires. Our desires produce results and we are to desire the spirit. One, we're at war with our desires. The passage identifies these two battling desires or two roots of desire. And those two are the spirit and the flesh. So what are they? I think the better question to ask is who are they? Because the spirit is none other than the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the spirit who participated in the creation of the universe, the spirit who descended upon Jesus like a dove at his baptism, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit that in chapter four, verse six, says that the father sends into the hearts of his people, of adopted children, causing us to cry out, Abba, Father, changing our title from slave to sin to sons of God, the spirit. Now the flesh, this is not speaking of our physical bodies. The flesh, it's our default hardwired from birth, sinful self, sinful nature, old man. The flesh, it's our operating system that has been handed down to us from the garden, embedded within us, the flesh the part of our lives that is followers of Jesus has not yet been fully renewed by the Spirit. And these two are at war with one another. They are opposed to one another. They never line up like this, they are always opposed. Paul himself shares with his own struggle with the battle in Romans chapter seven by asking the question, why do I do the very things that I hate? And he answers later on in that passage by saying, it's because of the sin that lives within me, that finds its root in the flesh. We can understand that, right? There are things that we know that we should do that we don't do. We have the best of intentions but we don't do because there is a battle or there are the things that we desire to do that we don't because we are walking in step with the Spirit and we don't do them and we resist them because of the work of the Spirit in our life. On a lighter note, there are things that we know we should do but we don't and we compromise and we eat pizza with vegetables on it. I have a son that loves veggie pizza. It's okay, but you need meat on pizza. It's not, it's not pizza without meat, right? Agree. We are at war with our desires and these root desires, the flesh and the spirit, and these things are within us. As followers of, of, of Christ, they are within us. Last week, last week we saw how there were individuals who were adding to the gospel, and they were saying that it was faith um, in Jesus plus circumcision equaled salvation. Right? And in verse 18 it says, if you are under, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does that mean? The law of Moses was to show how it was impossible to stand up under the expectations of God. No one can keep the whole law. The law of Moses, you needed to offer sacrifices to atone for the sins. The law of Moses, what its intention was, was to point people to Jesus. It was to point people to their Messiah. It was to point people to the cross. And from us looking back, we can see that more clearly. And Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. And what Paul was saying last week to the Galatians was like, if you are gonna take faith in Jesus, plus in that case it was circumcision, but plus anything, it's not gonna equal salvation. What you're actually doing by adding that onto it is you are now putting the yoke of the law on your shoulders and you are now going to be responsible for keeping the entire law. It says you are going to be severed from Christ. This morning, if you are led by by the Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are living under the shadow of the cross, you are living under grace, not under law, you are free to live without living up to the standard of the law because the law has been fulfilled in Christ and we are not going back to that, but we are moving forward clothed with clothes that do not belong to us and that we did not earn, namely we have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And God's smile is upon you as your father. But we desire what we desire. And it matters which root our desires come from the flesh or the spirit. We are at war with our desires. And and we're not just isolated to waging the war within that it only affects ourselves. That would be great, right? If our decisions only affected us and it was isolated to us, but no, these desires have outcomes that spill out into our lives and it affects the relationships of those around us and individuals around us. The results are able to be seen and experienced by others for good And for bad. So let's take a look at what this looks like. Point two, our desires produce results. Our desires are oftentimes, they're going to produce actions, which then produce results, which then produce oftentimes consequences. In the first portion of the text, we all the two desires, the flesh and the spirit. This is talking about the results of a life that is lived, lived when it is rooted in either the flesh or the spirit. Roots, the portion of the plant that we can't see, but it gives life to the rest of the plant of what we can see. First, The works of the flesh, they are evident. This is gonna be a fly overview. We can talk on each one of these at length, but we are not going to do that. Our desires produce results. There are three words that have to do with the area of sexuality. That is sexual immorality or intercourse shared by individuals who are not married. That is impurity. That is an an unnatural sexual practices. And then there's sensuality, which is a loveless and cheap, no strings attached, just a free going and only gratifying the desires, and there is no commitment involved. Two of the words have to do with the area of religion, like idolatry and sorcery, And being paired together, this communicates occult and pagan religious practices. The first, idolatry. It replaces God with an image or a lesser spiritual being. And the second, sorcery fakes the work of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean, fakes the work of the Holy Spirit? Think Pharaoh's magicians who were able to replicate the first two plagues when they were fleeing from Egypt. The blood into water, water into blood, and the frogs coming on to the shore and taking over the land. When you think about it, like, the magicians probably should have done the opposite other than replicating it and just rubbing salt into the wound, and Pharaoh was, yeah. Think of Saul going to the witch of Endor in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and he goes there to summon the, sp- the supposed spirit of the prophet Samuel. In Acts 9, we meet Simon the sorcerer. People said of him, this man is the power of God that is called great. And while he professed faith in Christ, his true colors were shown when he offered money to gain the ability. He was just along there for, the, for what he saw were tricks and ability to earn money. And he goes up and he said, hey, I'll give you this money in order for me to receive the power to whoever I lay my hand on to receive the Holy Spirit. And they say, no. They said, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. In Acts 19, we see individuals who, after placing their faith in Christ, bring their sorcery literature, which were scrolls, and they burned them. This is speaking of pagan occult religious practices. And two of the words then refer, as you can see, to substance abuse. These two words paired together communicate the over-desire and the overconsumption of alcohol and to participate in that action with others in drinking parties and drinking orgies. If you look at the list, you're like, I'm pretty good. Pretty good with that list. And it goes to a lengthier list, of eight words that have to deal with relationships. Enmity, hostility or adversarial attitude, strife, being argumentative or seeking to pick fights, jealousy, zeal and energy that comes from a hungry ego, fits of anger or unbridled outbursts of rage rivalries, competitiveness with self-seeking motive, dissensions, or divisions with others. Divisions, galvanized party groups that war with each other. We don't have that issue, do we? Think of an elephant and a donkey. We don't have that issue. Or envy, desiring what others have. This list probably falls a little bit closer to home, does it not? And what he says of that in verse 20, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God and you're sitting there and like, oh, oh, I I do some of those things. This is an in-your-face warning in this verse, verse 20, isolated by itself, would give nobody hope. And even according to Paul's own words, as was referenced earlier in Romans 7, he would be without hope. Why do I do the very things that I hate? How do we have hope? Jesus. Jesus. Paul is not looking to bump up against the assurance of the Galatians' salvation. He's aiming to remove complacency. He's calling the Galatians to battle against the flesh. He is not referring to infrequent and repented of lapses. He is referring to a habitual practice or having no guard against any of these works. And then comes, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And before we jump into that, there is a distinction at the, at the beginning of each of these lists. One is called the works or the deeds of the flesh, and the other is the fruit of the Spirit. And it needs to be noted that there is a difference between those. Works and deeds, they, they come natural to us. Again, this is our natural operating system that we've had from birth. It's our palette of sin that from a little one up until the moment that we were saved, we were fully immersed in mixing and matching and creating a, a, a artwork of corruption. It, it, it's, it's a thing that we don't really have to try hard at. Fruit, the fruit that is being spoken of in this passage is not natural to us. It doesn't come naturally to us. It takes a supernatural intervention. At the moment of salvation, your eternity is secured and heaven awaits and there is a seed that is planted in you. There is a spirit that is planted in you and takes residence and it is planted and it sprouts and it takes root into our lives and that root starts invading the, recessive, the recesses of our hearts and our mind and it comes out as a fruit that is evident in your life that spills out into your life that others are able to see and observe and experience. This is the work of the Spirit as we are yielding and walking in step with him. Many of us in this room may be able to recite the fruit of the Spirit, but if you can't, I want to give you a way to remember it. Um, This comes from Kevin Earhart, not from me. Kevin may not remember this, but um, packaged figs. All you need to remember is packaged figs. All right, packaged figs. Where are you going? It's Kevin, it's not me, okay? It's Kevin, it's not me. Everyone, we should, it's on a slide. It should be slide 14 up there. Um, love, joy, peace. We can all remember love, joy, peace. It's the slide before that one we going to go there? There we go. There's a picture of us too. There you go, Kevin. All right. Love, joy, peace, and package figs. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So as long as you can remember love, joy, peace, just remember package figs. All right. Kevin's nodding over there. It's, it's like, Dave, that was supposed to be between us. Kevin and I play the piano all the time together. Um, that picture, I think, was taken six years ago, and it was not me who put the picture into the presentation. It was somebody else who did that, so I'll just let you figure out who that is, okay? Not going to say any names. Um, she may have been laughing really loud in the back right there. All right. Our desires produce results. Love sees others as an opportunity to to give and bless rather than the opportunity to use and take. Joy delights in God and what he has given you regardless of the circumstances. Peace, the inner well-being that comes from our confidence and trust in God and his ways, and it is opposed to Anxiety and fear. Patience, allowing us to endure negative, something negative for a long time without whining or without complaining. Kindness does good to others even when it costs us. It isn't manipulative, and it goes unnoticed and unannounced. Goodness Generosity towards others that shares our good things with others. Faithfulness. It describes our courage and loyalty to God. Gentleness. Not impressed with oneself, but is instead humble and self-forgetful. And self-control examines and restrains the intense emotions and passions that can overwhelm us, examines and restrains. And as I read through this list, some, some of them may have struck you and you may have found yourself saying, I can't do that. Well, you, you can't in your own flesh. You're not able to. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And in reference to, to love, there's a, a quote from an individual, his name's Carrie Newhoff, and he tells us this. Love has a speed, and it's slower than I am. There's a good chance it's slower than you are. Love pauses, love lingers, Love offers full focus and gives far more than it takes. When I run too fast, I outrun love and the people I love pay a price. That's good for me as a dad to hear. That's good for me as a husband to hear. That's good for us as Dad's on this day to hear. Before we start doing it in our mind, let me warn us. We have a list of the works of the flesh and we have a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And what we are going to be tempted to do is just take the list of the fruit of the Spirit, pin it up near a mirror in the morning, and look at it and say, I need to try harder to do these things. I am going to try so hard to do all of these things. I am going to try harder. But the fruit of David, no. But the fruit of the Spirit. See, when Paul was talking to the Galatians last week and he said, if there is Jesus plus anything. It's, it doesn't equal salvation, and when we take this up and pin it up and make it a list and that we strive hard to, in our own power, fulfill what we are doing, like Paul was saying to the Galatians, if it's Jesus plus anything, you are severing yourself from Christ, and you are now going to be accountable to the law. What we end up doing is saying, I'm going to try to do this list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law, and I'm going to try hard at doing it. What we do is we bypass Jesus and we can bypass the spirit and just make it into a list and we have adopted a new law. It's an apple, okay? Now who would like to catch this apple? Does anybody wanna catch it? I don't know if I can hit you, Drew. I might take out some people in front of you. I don't know. All right. Um, who, who wants to catch the apple? They need, they need to catch it. All right, here we go, Tracy. All right, tell me about it. What is it? Plastic. It's plastic. All right. All right. It's plastic. It's fake. It's false. See, when we make our desire and our goal to put the fruit as the goal before we are following Jesus and walking in step with the Spirit. We produce fruit, but it's fake. It can look real, it can look like love, but in like 1 Corinthians says if I speak in tongues of angels and if, if I give up my body to the flames for others, but I don't have love, it's worthless. As we follow and try to lean into following the spirit, we need to make sure that we start with Jesus and we stay with Jesus and we're walking in step with the spirit other, just, other than just writing a new law for us. And it looks good. It looks like fruit. Others can say that it looks like fruit and they can say, look, there's fruit. But you bite into it and it's disgusting. We cannot produce fruit from the flesh. We must follow the fruit back to the root. And the root is Jesus and the root is brought up through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because there will be people that on that day they stand before the Lord and they say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name Did we not cast out demons in your name? And he said, I don't know you. Paul is not, again, not bumping up against the security of their salvation. He's bumping up against the complacency. And when we are following after Jesus, we need to start with Jesus and stay with Jesus. It can look real. Love. It can look like love. But if we do it for what is only able to be given back to us, it's not love. And all of this fruit, all of the fruit of the Spirit, are they not attributes of God. It isn't just him saying, "Hmm, I'm just going to give you this. I don't have this, but I'll give it to you. No, we're resembling Jesus. And against such things, there is no law in verse 23. We have been set free to love. We have been set free to exemplify joy. We have been set free to be at peace and to be peacemakers. We have been set free to bear with one another in patience. We have been set free to be kind to one another. We have been set free to share our good things with others. We have been set free to remain faithful. We have been set free to show gentleness. We have been set free to be self-controlled. A quote from Rich Mullins, the late musician. He says, what I think is scary is that God didn't come up with any plan B. He left the church here, and the church is the only group of people, and they are the only institution in the world that can bring about a change. This government cannot do it, so stop depending on the government. Educational systems cannot do it, so stop trusting educational systems. The church was chosen by God to make a difference, And you know what, people? You ain't gonna make a difference by building more bombs and you ain't gonna make a difference by putting on more makeup and showing up to more television shows and you're not gonna make a difference by having the loudest sound system or the biggest crowd at your concerts. You're gonna make a difference when you lay down your life and in complete submission to God, choose to die with him in service to other people. Verse 24, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. So the works of the flesh are evident. The fruit of the Spirit is But where does that fruit find its root? Is it here? Or is it the Holy Spirit? So we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, what happens is that growth is gradual. It's not gonna be a sudden, bam, I'm great with everything. Ask my wife, I'm not great with everything, all right? True. She kind of shrugs. Inside, she's like, "No, he's not. No, he's not." And she would be right. So this is a picture of a garden outside of our house. The one on the left was taken last month. The one on the right was taken this morning, and um, you can see the growth in the pictures. But day by day, going out, I didn't see the growth. I knew it was growing because I remembered what they looked like before they before they were planted. Um, Also, in the back of the right one, you can see these drooping sunflowers. They were just planted. We grew them from seeds, so they look droopy. They're bouncing back. Don't worry. They're bouncing back. If you're on Facebook, you'll probably see them pretty soon. Um, That growth is gradual, and it's a work of the Spirit. So as you see this fruit, it isn't just, I'm going to focus on this one, I'm going to focus on that one. It's the nine together growing and they grow at different rates. They grow at different speeds. Each person is different. But it's the reliance on the spirit. And when you see somebody growing in an area of like self-control, we celebrate with them other than becoming conceited and provoked to one another to envying, like, oh man, I wish I had that. The fruit of the spirit coming up in our life. Through keeping in step with the Spirit. Daily crucifying our flesh. Daily asking the Spirit for wisdom. Daily asking the Spirit to be able to die to ourselves in order to love others. It's not about trying harder. If anything, it's about slowing down and recognizing that we have the smile of God upon our lives as children of God and that we are able to walk in the assurance of that and opening our lives to have the spirit find those places and say, I want to take root here and I want to bring out fruit in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. And all of this is possible. This fruit that comes out in our life is only possible because of the work of Jesus and sending your son. Lord, if there's anyone here today that is wanting to talk about having a relationship with Jesus, because this fruit does not come from anything other than placing our faith in Jesus. And then the Spirit takes residence. Lord, we do pray that you would cultivate within our hearts more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.